following program is being brought to you on the seventh wave network for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit seventhwavenetwork.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon. And welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. And welcome to Authentic Living. Dr. Larry Dossie, our guest for today, is known around the world for his keen ability to bring scientific understanding to spirituality and for his advocacy for the role of spirituality in healthcare and wellness. He's the author of 11 books, including The Extraordinary Healing Power of Ordinary Things, Healing Beyond the Body, Reinventing Medicine, Be Careful for What You Pray For, Prayer is Good Medicine, and several others. During his distinguished career as a practitioner of integrative medicine, some of the highlights of his career include helping to establish the Dallas Diagnostic Association, serving as chief of staff of Medical City Dallas Hospital, and serving on Hillary Clinton's task force on health care reform in 1993. Dr. Dossie has lectured all over the world and at several major medical schools and hospitals, including some of the world's most prestigious, Harvard, John Hopkins, Cornell, and Mayo Clinic. Today, we're going to be talking about his book, The Power of Premonitions, How Knowing the Future Can Shape Our Lives. We're going to learn how the mind out of time affects our lives. Welcome, Dr. Dossie, to Authentic Living. We're so glad to have you today. Well, Andrea, thank you for asking me. Well, I'm, uh, we're going to just jump right in there. Can you tell us first, can you sort of tell us what is a premonition? Yeah, well, premonition uh, is a word that comes from the Latin. It literally means a forewarning a warning that comes before it happens, of usually something uh, fairly unpleasant. Uh, you know, people do have uh, premonitions of nice things, too, uh, but uh, certainly the uh, examples that capture our attention most dramatically are when people have a forewarning of something like uh, a tsunami or a terrorist attack or a crashing airlines and so, something like uh, something like that that really if you take it seriously can save your life okay okay absolutely so you know this is a really different kind of book for you most of your books are about body mind so why did you decide to write this book well i think uh, this has to do with the nature of consciousness and how it manifests in the world uh, which is the really the underlying theme of just about every uh, one of those uh, 11 books that uh, you mentioned that i've written uh, I think premonitions say something really important about consciousness so, uh, in the same sense that uh, my books on distant healing and prayer uh, say something about consciousness. Both of these books tell us that consciousness can operate outside the body, uh, that it's not confined to the brain and uh, the, the body and, or even to the present moment. Uh, just about everything I've written looks at the evidence that our consciousness can range far and wide in space and time. 
and the term I've used for this in many of my books has been the term non-local, uh, which suggests that our consciousness is just not localized to specific points in space and time. And I think premonitions are just another uh, window on which to uh, view the uh, way that uh, our consciousness works in the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many people think of it as sort of woo-woo, and it's not really something we can really believe in, that people actually can know about the future or that consciousness expands beyond the body. So uh, your book is filled with a lot of evidence. Well, I, I, it is true that uh, for a long time this has been dismissed as something woo-woo and uh, really so off the, the map that it doesn't deserve uh, serious attention from scholars and serious people. Those days have passed. I spend a great deal of time in this book looking at the actual evidence from controlled experiments in laboratories and uh, clinical situations where people can sense the future. Uh, I'm not talking about one or two studies here that, that show that we can sense the future. I'm talking about literally hundreds of studies that have been done uh, over the past few decades looking at this. Uh, the uh, quality of the evidence continues to mount. Uh, it's not going away. Uh, and I just think that it's time to uh, bite the bullet and and look at the evidence uh, squarely instead of trying to ignore it as if it doesn't exist, which has been, unfortunately, the way that a lot of people uh, in science, and particularly in my own field of medicine, have uh, uh, done over the past few years. So uh, woo-woo uh, is a term that just won't fit anymore, uh, and I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm willing to declare that people with an open mind most of them, if they, if they approach this with that level of openness, they're going to see that there really is something here, and it's just time to acknowledge what I think is uh, scientifically compelling. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm real glad your book came on the market because I really agree with that, and I do think some of these serious scientific studies give us a lot of information. So, okay, let's talk about how, let's first talk about how we want to apply this to practical everyday living, and then I want to talk about some of those experiments. Um, if, if people can know the future, why, why aren't more people out playing the stock market with their premonitions? <laughs> Actually, I think they uh, probably are, uh, <laughs> and their premonitions just uh, aren't working very well. Uh, actually, I think uh, it's possible to override premonitions, and I think that uh, that accounts for a lot of what we've seen in terms of uh, greed and the uh, devastation that began in the fall of last year, of 2008, uh, with the financial crisis. Uh, I followed that very carefully, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I think most people are aware that the most common term that's used to describe what happened uh, is the word greed. Uh, and if you look at uh, what happens when people have authentic premonitions and greed uh, enters the picture, the premonitions cease to work very well. Uh, in the book, I go into several experiments where people actually do try to manipulate the, uh, the uh, financial markets, uh, in particular what's called the silver futures market, uh, by using premonitions. And these generally are very successful experiments as long as people don't get greedy, as long as they don't try to break the bank and uh, uh, accumulate huge uh, obscene amounts of money, uh, as long as they stay relatively modest in their goals, these studies turn out to be positive. People can intuit the future and make money off of it. Uh, 
But in every one of these studies, when they were successful initially, when they had modest goals, when they tried to break the bank and go for broke, the studies stopped working. People's premonitions just fell flat. Uh, so I'm willing to say that there's empirical evidence that some of our, our greed and our baser emotions uh, are the enemy of premonitions. Uh, as long as we keep those base mo emotions in check, then premonitions tend to work pretty well. Hmm. Well, that's really interesting that that, that um, emotion can sort of override, as you said, that, that potential. That's really interesting. So, okay, I'm guessing then that if it's true that we can use uh, premonition to understand the stock market, it's also true that we can use it in business. CEOs can use it. That is certainly true. Uh, there have been some excellent studies that uh, were done couple of decades ago, looking at the premonition abilities and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Uh, these uh, these uh, individuals volunteered for tests in which they had to predict a long string of numbers that would later be selected by a random, gen random number generator. Uh, in other words, they had to say what the computer was going to do later. Uh, and so these... Uh, individuals uh, who were most successful in terms of their bottom line uh, at their corporation, uh, who were most successful uh, in the business world, also <clears throat> were the ones who were most successful uh, in these premonition experiments. In other words, their premonition ability correlated with their success in running their company. Now, that doesn't prove that uh, premonitions were responsible for that, but it is highly suggestive that if you're going to be really successful in the business world, it helps to have a good premonition sense. So there is some evidence that uh, correlation, uh, that, that uh, premonition ability and success in CEO uh, activities uh, does go hand in hand. Okay, okay. And that would be sort of like playing your hunch. Yeah, you know... <clears throat> I, I like the language that some pre that some CEOs use to describe what they do. Yeah, they're pretty allergic to to the word premonition. They don't like to be thought of as using ESP or any psychic abilities to run their corporations. Uh, it just sounds too woo-woo as uh, to invoke the term we used before. So they they have other terms that they use. Uh, the most common of which is business intuition. Uh, they love that. Uh, they, they want to be thought of as having excellent business intuition or business sense. Uh, actually, if you Google business intuition, you, you come up with hundreds of thousands of, uh, of uh, hits. Uh, generally, uh, people who uh, have courses designed to teach individuals how to uh, improve their business intuition. So that's the hot term uh, in the business world these days for what really amounts to premonitions or, or seeing the future. Okay. Now, I don't want to say that that's the only way people who are good at what they do in the business world get ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people use logic. Uh, they bring their past experience to play uh, when it comes time to uh, make a business decision. But still, sometimes as they put it, you just have to roll the dice and go with your gut. That's when premonitions kick in. Okay. All right, we'll be back in just a moment to talk some more with Dr. Larry Dossie about premonition.
Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews, and we're talking today with Dr. Larry Dossey about the power of premonition. Uh, Dr. Dossey, during the break, we talked just a minute about uh, a story, you know, about some uh, someone who actually won the lottery based on a premonition. Let's, I want to hear about that. Yeah. Well, you know, skeptics always say, if this stuff works, why don't people win the lottery? Uh, and the short answer to that is sometimes they do. Uh, I uh, actually, for several years, have been in communication with a woman who uh, won the the lottery on the basis of a premonition, not not once, but uh, twice. Uh, and the story on her is that uh, she uh, got behind in her debts, her personal debts, and she she prayed to win the lottery, and she didn't 
you know, we were talking about greed a moment ago and how it uh, is the enemy of premonitions. She, pray, she, she actually prayed that the winning lottery numbers would come to her in a dream and that she would win just enough money to liquidate her debts. Uh, and that's all she wanted. And sure enough, uh, she got her, her prayer answered. She did see the winning lottery numbers and won just enough to pay off her debt. So about two or three years later, uh, her roof began to leak. And she wondered if she could do this again. So she did the same thing. She prayed to see the winning lottery numbers in a dream, and she entered the numbers that she saw in her dream and won just enough to, uh, re- to, 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 for a new roof on her house. And it was a vivid example of what we were talking about a moment ago. Uh, often these uh, kinds of things work best when you can put greed uh, and hubris uh, and arrogance aside and simply uh, in, in, uh, bring a little modesty uh, into your, uh, your strategy. It certainly worked for her. Uh, but there are side effects of, of these things, and, and this woman's uh, example uh, brings this up, because here's what happened. Uh, after doing this twice, she got the idea that this was really easy stuff to do, and she fell into a gambling habit, and it wrecked her life. Hmm. She became addicted to gambling, and uh, she spent many years going to Gamblers Anonymous to break this habit and put her life back together, and she actually did manage to do that, by the way. But this just is one of those examples, uh, I guess, that you know one must be careful what you ask for, because there are pitfalls to premonitions. Uh, I, I write about this in the book, and I, I suggest that it's it's wrong to adopt a Pollyannish attitude toward this stuff, because there are uh, uh, hazards that uh, one can bump into when this uh, premonition ability become so attractive to you uh, that you decide, well, I can manipulate and control uh, anything I want to uh, through premonitions. And as this woman's example uh, illustrates, uh, there are some pitfalls along the way. Absolutely, and I'm glad to hear you say that because there's been some confusion about that. There's a lot of talk about the law of attraction, and and it's confusing, I think, to some people to to think, well, I can just have the whole world and, you know, um, where we get ego invested instead of a higher self, it, it's harder to determine what's really uh, um, true and false about that. So well, I'm glad you bring that up, Andrea, because I think there's a lot of narcissism that uh, pops up in this law of attraction. Uh, I almost want to say hysteria, you know, and people almost never ask whether or not what you attract is good for you or not. Uh, Sometimes it, it is not good for you. It's not good for the planet sometimes. It's not good for the environment. It can be absolutely wasteful and destructive. Uh, as this woman uh, who won the lottery twice and fell into gambling uh, illustrates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. We do have the power to attract, but we need to be paying attention to something higher inside of us to attract it. Okay, well, uh, let's talk a little bit about evidence. Um, there were some uh, presentiment experiments that you t- wrote about in the book. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, I, this is one of my favorite areas of science, which shows that people can uh, see the future. These are computer-based experiments, and they may sound a little uh, complicated, but they really are fairly simple. I'll try to make this as brief as I can. Uh, let's say that you're, uh, you're sitting in front of a computer, and uh, you're wired up so to speak, to have certain measurements made in your body of 
things you usually aren't aware of that indicate a stress response, such as your blood pressure and your heart rate. Uh, and uh, the computer is going to show you uh, an image, a picture on the screen, and it's going to be an image that will be of one of two types. It'll either be a lovely, serene image, like a beach scene or a scene from nature, very pleasant to look at, doesn't generate a stress response in your body, or exactly the opposite image will be shown to you. Uh, it, this will be an image that's really gruesome, uh, like a horrible autopsy scene or a, really a traumatic bodily injury scene or something like that, which just looking at it would sort of raise your blood pressure or heart rate a little bit. And so you don't know which, the, uh, which sort of picture the computer's going to show you, uh, and the computer doesn't even know because it's going to select uh, randomly sort of like flipping a coin, which one it's going to show you. So you're sitting there having these measurements made, and here's the strange thing about this. If the image that the computer selects randomly uh, and uh, shows you a bit later is one of those serene images, your body beforehand does not register a stress response. However, and here's where the weirdness comes in, if the image that is selected and shown to you later is one of these gruesome, horrible images, before that computer even shows you that image, your body begins to generate a stress response. Uh, and it's clearly obvious in the measurements made on what your body's doing. And the question is, how in the world does your mind and your body know what the computer is going to do later? But it does. Uh, and you have the printout in black and white. Your body and your mind knows what's going to happen later. Now, there have been about 20 of these experiments done by investigators around the world, and almost all of these studies point in the same direction. Your body-mind knows what's going to happen later. Uh, in the book, I described uh, a couple of Nobel Prize-winning physicists who have actually hooked up to this experimental setup, and their body performed just like uh, I described. Somehow the body knows what's about to happen. The reason these physicists took this test is because they didn't believe this was possible. Uh, but here you have uh, Nobel physicists coming over to this side saying, this is compelling evidence. It looks like information's coming from the future. And people really can peer into the future and apprehend what's uh, coming up. Yep, that's amazing stuff. So really, we operate more out of time than we know. Yes, I think that uh, we do this unconsciously, and I think that's a pretty good thing. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to have uh, uh, premonitions that are flowery and really dramatic and uh, compelling, of which they are totally aware, and sometimes they are. Uh, they do come to us that way. But I believe that most of the premonitions we have are deep, deeply rooted in the unconscious mind. Uh, the reason I think this is a pretty good way for it to operate is because uh, if you had uh, premonitions always happening at the conscious level, you, a lot of people would find themselves getting into arguments with themselves. You know, should I trust this? Is, am I just crazy here? Is this woo-woo stuff? Should I take it seriously? And the longer you go back and forth with that kind of internal dialogue, uh, you waste time. And sometimes premonitions, if they're to help you, let's say to avoid... Uh, danger uh, while you're driving your car, you need to act immediately. 
you don't need to spend time in your conscious mind arguing with yourself back and forth about whether to trust this and to take action. You need to do this immediately. Uh, so there are many situations where instant action, instant choice making, uh, is really required, and this is best done uh, when you uh, have an intuition at a very unconscious level and act immediately instead of giving, getting into time-consuming arguments with yourself. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. So if you're on the freeway and your your mind and body sense that something's going to happen bad and you react to it, and then you question later what you did but you or how you knew, but it's already done. Would that be a good example? Dr. Dossie? Well, I think we might have lost Dr. Dossie for just a few minutes. I'm I'm still here. Okay, there you go. All right. Uh, uh, My question was, um, if the body and mind know on the freeway what what might happen and then you react to it, then you might question later how you knew that, but you've already done it and you're safe. Let me give you an example. I uh, received a letter recently from a woman uh, in Minneapolis. Do you remember that? Uh, a couple of years ago when the bridge crashed yes. in Minneapolis and several people uh, were killed. Uh, this woman uh, was driving her regular route to work one, one day, and uh, it was, uh, to, her route was to take her over this bridge. And she had this very strange compulsion to take another route that day. She hadn't the slightest idea why she had this compulsion, but she followed it. And uh, she had no idea that uh, the bridge was going to crash. But she believes that it very likely saved her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an example of following something that is extraordinarily vivid, that uh, you don't reason about, you follow it, and you find out later, as you put it, that this was the right choice to make. Yep. That's an example of what I, I mean about these things helping us out at the unconscious level. Right. So the unconscious sort of protects it from being information we're going to mess up. Okay. Well, we have just a few more minutes before the break, but I want to go ahead and start this question. There, were an, there was another type of an experiment that you talked about in the book, and actually we're going to have to go on the break <laughs> right now, so we'll come back to it. The experiment was called remote viewing, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Great. This is Andrea Matthews. This is Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. We'll be back in a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. 
in my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. What can you tell me about Skills USA? Skills USA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Dr. Larry Dossey about the power of premonition. We just before the break, we, I was about to ask the question about remote viewing experiments, so I want to hear a little bit more about that, if we can. Yeah, this is a, a type of experiment which has been done now, Andrea, by, by the hundreds. The most notable uh, instances coming out of the Princeton University Engineering Anomalies Research Lab, uh, as it's called. Uh, but these have been uh, replicated by uh, researchers all over the world by now. And basically what goes on is that uh, uh, a computer selects a, a, an image and uh, it's given to someone who's called the sender. And the sender goes a long way off, sometimes to the other side of the earth. These things have been uh, done at global distances. And so at a given moment, this uh, sender uh, tries to mentally uh, convey mentally send this information uh, about this image to someone who's going to try to receive it from a long way off. And as I mentioned, this, this is often done on the other side of the earth. And so the sender uh, sends it. The receiver writes down what uh, comes through, so to speak, in his or her mind. And then a computer decides if there was a match between what was sent and what was received. Uh, in most of these instances, uh, there is a profound correlation between what was sent and what was received. And here's the thing that is relevant to premonitions. In the majority of instances, the receiver gets this information up to a week before the sender sends it. 
and before even the computer selects what image is going to be sent in the future. So this is an extraordinarily compelling piece of evidence, uh, these types of remote viewing experiments, uh, that we can apprehend and receive information uh, from the future before it's even, it even exists. Uh, I love these experiments because they've been done with extreme precision. They've been replicated by uh, investigators around the world. And they're just another piece of the evidence that human beings do have some innate talent, some innate ability to sense what's going to happen in the future. Right, right. It's a beautiful uh, knowledge that we can now have that we can actually do these tests and get this information. I guess this has been with us forever, but now we're being able to prove it, so that's wonderful. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about how this fits into what you understand about medicine and health. Well, I, uh, I tend to write about things which have uh, importance for people's health because uh, it's my natural instinct as an internal medicine physician to do that. And uh, premonitions are uh, really, really very important about uh, people's health, and they can even make the, the difference between life and death. Uh, let me give you an example, if I may, about uh, how this can dramatically influence life and death. Uh, this has to do with an event that happened in the, the life of a young mother in, in Washington State. Uh, she had a horrifying dream one night uh, that should be called a nightmare because that's how she experienced it. She, she dreamed that uh, a chandelier in the ceiling of her baby's room uh, fell from the ceiling and, and fell right onto the baby's crib and killed the baby and just demolished the crib. Uh, this horrified her. Uh, during the dream, she, she, she saw a clock that was sitting on the, a bureau in the baby's room, and it read 4.35 in the morning. Well, she, she's awakened by this horrible nightmare. She wakes her husband up, tells him about it. He, he laughs and says, you know, it's just a dream. It means nothing to go back to sleep, which he promptly did. Well, she can't go back to sleep. She's terrified, and she gets up and goes and gets the baby and brings the baby back to bed with them. A couple of hours later, she's awakened, as is her husband, by a loud crash in the baby's room. They go in, and sure enough, the chandelier has fallen from the ceiling and destroyed the crib beneath it. But the baby's not hurt because she acted on her premonition. Wow. And she looked at the clock, and the clock in the baby's room read 435, just as she saw in, in the dream. So, boy, this, this is an example of a life and death uh, difference. Uh, the baby's life was clearly saved because this woman acted on her premonition. Uh, you know, I've, I've collected events from my own practice of my own patients who have had uh, premonitory dreams and waking visions of health issues, which actually proved to be true when we checked them out. Uh, there's no question in my mind that these things uh, come to people quite often. Uh, another example, uh, very briefly, is a woman, uh, a brilliant attorney, who came to my office one morning, and she said, I'm sure I've got ovarian cancer uh, because I had a dream last night in which I saw three little white spots on my left ovary, and I'm, I'm sure they're cancer. 
Uh, well, her exam was normal. We, we did a sonogram, and sure enough, she had three little spots on her left ovary, just like she'd seen in her dream the night before. Fortunately, she got her diagnosis wrong, though, because these were benign cysts on the ovary and not ovarian cancer. But she's had a, a very vivid, camera-like, specific dream about what these things look like, and she acted on it. Fortunately, it turned out to be a good thing, uh, as I mentioned, because they were benign. Just to say that I think these things are very common. I've just got uh, a file drawer full of these kinds of cases in which people do see upcoming uh, events that could make the difference in life and death. Right. So when, you're, when your patients come in and say, I think so-and-so is going on with my body, you listen. Well, I do. I mean, I learned the hard way, you know, what the, the potential dangers of not listening. Uh, I think it's foolish not to listen to people uh, who have these kinds of forewarnings. Uh, I don't uh, go overboard uh, in ordering tests. Sometimes these things are just clearly fantasies. They're so wild that, uh, you know, when the physical examination is normal, then sometimes I simply try to console people and say, well, we'll just watch this for a while, you know, and do intervention tests if it seems to be called for. Uh, but sometimes these things have a ring of truth to them that uh, you just simply cannot ignore, uh, in which case I do pull out all the stops to try to verify what the person has seen. Right, right. So what do your colleagues in the medicine field think about your book? <laughs> well, I, uh, I uh, thought that uh, they would probably be uh, very skeptical, uh, if not dismissive, uh, about this whole thing, but I was completely wrong about that. Uh, there have been really cordial receptions everywhere from doctors about this. Uh, I have had the opportunity, uh, since I finished writing this book, to talk about the importance of, of premonitions in, in health care to large groups of doctors at conferences and, and medical schools. And in every case, there have been no exceptions to this. Uh, doctors are uh, extremely interested in this and, to my great surprise, have begun to share with me uh, their own experiences with premonitions from their patients and even their premonitions themselves of events that are going to happen in the lives of their patients. Last fall, I had the opportunity to talk to a large group of doctors at a Harvard Medical School-sponsored uh, course, Updating Doctors in Internal Medicine, and one woman arose in the group. She was a female internist, and she said, well, I see numbers. I see numbers in my dreams, she said. She went on to say that I see the actual laboratory values of my patient's laboratory tests before I even order the tests. Wow. Just to give you an example of some of the kinds of stories that doctors are sitting on, which uh, I hope uh, this book helps them feel okay about going public with sometimes. Okay. So, the, you know, what you're saying is that the more we talk about this, the more it's going to be accepted and the more we're going to trust it, and then it's just going to be a cycle that moves, evolves upward. I think that's right, Andrea. Uh, as an example of, of how that happens, I'd go back to a book I wrote in 1993 on the role of prayer uh, and, and healing. Uh, at that time, that was a taboo subject. Uh, since that time, most of the medical schools in the United States have adopted coursework 
exploring the data and the, the evidence that uh, prayer and healing intentions can actually uh, have a role in people getting well. Uh, that's been a tremendous shift in the, the official attitude toward that subject uh, in medicine. That, there was just no dialogue around that before the book came out in 93. Now it's, everybody talks about it, and uh, actually experiments continue to confirm uh, the premise of that book, that prayer and healing intentions can help. So we've seen the shift in that area, and I, I think and would predict that we'll see a shift uh, and a lifting of the taboo toward uh, talking about premonitions in medicine. And what about the idea, and we may not have time to finish this one in this segment, but we will finish it, the idea that, you know, sometimes when the body talks, it's really telling us about the mind. Well, I think that's right. I think there's a body wisdom that we often underestimate. Uh, and it, it's not always rational. I mean, as we've already mentioned, much of it's unconscious. A lot of this information wells up from the unconscious during sleep and dreams. Uh, and I've discovered that people can become very adept and skillful at learning to uh, which of these messages to pay attention to and which ones to dismiss as fantasy. Uh, people, for example, who keep dream diaries often develop a really skillful ability to say, oh, that one's fantasy, I'm not going to pay attention to that, or this one is something that I really should focus on and, and uh, be serious about. So we can, I think, develop a skill about separating the fantasy from the fact, factual ones, uh, and I give some clues in the book uh, about how to do that. And maybe in the next segment we could talk about some of that. Okay. All right. And I know in the book you talked a little bit about different personality types that are uh, more prone to premonition. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, I'm sure you know about the, the old Myers-Briggs personality inventory, which tells people whether they're extroverted and introverted and uh, so and so on. Uh, uh, people who seem to score very high on intuition uh, are very good at premonitions, and people who are score high on introversion also uh, tend to be premonition-prone. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. All right, well, we're going to be back for the last segment of our show right after this break. This is Andrea Matthews, and this is Authentic Living. We're talking today to Dr. Larry Dossey. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. 
So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Over there? Over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at foreignlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, we're back for the final segment of Authentic Living, talking today to Dr. Larry Dossey about the power of premonition. And, uh, we, you know, just before the break, we were saying that there were certain personality um, indicators that would uh, say something about the ability of a person to have premonition, but I sort of want to throw in a disclaimer and see if you, disagree, if you agree with this, that even though extroversion, extroverts and, no, I'm sorry, introverts and intuitives are more likely to experience premonitions, anyone can experience one. Is that correct? Yeah, that sure is, and uh, the actual surveys show that. You know, the surveys show that about 75% of Americans say they have had premonitions, so you know, those are not all introverts. Okay. All right. And you mentioned the possibility of talking in the next break about the criteria um, by which we could 
understand how to decide which premonitions to believe and which ones not to believe. Yeah, I think we do need a few criteria to discriminate uh, what comes across as just sheer fantasy uh, and those sorts of premonitions that we might uh, really be advised to pay attention to. Uh, the, the main criteria that I hear over and over again from people who are really good at this uh, has to do with the vividness uh, of uh, the premonition. A lot of people say, for example, that the premonitions that come true are, are just sort of lit up with a special significance. Uh, people often say that that premonition was the most vivid dream I've ever had in my life. And they're not kidding. That, that really does come through for a lot of people. Uh, one woman uh, wrote me and she said, well, those premonitions and dreams that come true for me uh, originally come to me in italics, uh, as if to say they're really different from ordinary dreams. And I think also we have to discriminate according to whether or not something is, appears literal in a dream or whether it, it seems highly symbolic. Uh, you know, if we have a dream that uh, we were flying, dreams of flying are very common, it's not likely that tomorrow we're going to actually sprout wings and fly. You know, we, we have to look for the symbolism involved and try to decode that instead of taking something extremely literally. So uh, the vividness is, is a huge criteria. Another one, Andrea, is whether or not the premonition is recurrent. In the book, I talk about a woman who had a dream every night for a whole year in which a nurse appeared in the dream with a light, which this nurse was shining on this woman's lower leg. And she hadn't a clue about what this meant, but she thought that it really meant something. Otherwise, why would this thing be hammering away at her night after night? Well, after a year, she actually developed an area of bone infection, osteomyelitis, at exactly the where the nurse was shining the light uh, in the dream. Uh, and it was a, a huge problem, required surgery and, and so on. Uh, another indicator, aside from the vividness and the recurrent nature of these things, uh, is whether or not another individual begins to have the same sort of premonition. In other words, if your spouse or lover or so on begins to talk about the same premonition without your having cued him or her, that you had it also. Uh, there are stories in the book of spouses who spontaneously began to have the same premonitory dream. This involved uh, the tragedy on 9-11 with the crashing World Trade Center buildings. Uh, and unfortunately, they both chose to ignore this, and this gentleman died in, on 9-11 uh, in the, the Twin Towers. Wow. So those are some clues, whether or not these things are shared, whether or not they're vivid, whether or not they're recurrent. And there's one more I would add, and this is whether or not the premonition uh, deals with death. Uh, the great Carl Jung, the psychologist uh, who had premonitions all of his life, uh, said that if a premonition deals with death, you should take it seriously because you might not have a second chance. So maybe those are some of the, the criteria that people could apply about which ones to focus on and which ones simply to ignore. Right, right. That's very, very helpful. And and you've mentioned dreams several times, but I guess a premonition can also come to us while we're awake. Yeah, I, I tend to focus on dreams because they are often the jaw-dropping examples that uh, are easy to use, mm -hmm. uh, and they get people's attention. But by all means, 
uh, premonitions occur in the waking state is just hunches or uh, gut feelings and or sometimes as, as visions that uh, are literal. Uh, so they're not limited to dreams, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. What, what um, like in the example of the woman who had the premonition a year before she actually had any symptoms, what, what would you recommend she do in, when she first has the premonition? Well, I think after the first three or four times she had the premonition, she should have uh, uh, actually uh, uh, gone deeper and begun to really focus on uh, the area of her body where this might be uh, happening. You know, it might be that even if she did that, she still could not have headed off this uh, episode of osteomyelitis. But uh, uh, it may be that she did act wisely. You know, I don't know that she didn't act uh, with the first symptom. Maybe she did that. But uh, a lot of people just ignore this and uh, put it off and off, and the dream still keeps hammering her way at you as, as if to demand attention. So I would just say pay attention. Okay. Act as the first uh, the first symptom. Right. Okay. There's an, a, a, another example I might add of a woman who wrote me and said uh, she had a dream one night uh, where her finger was pointing at a specific spot in her breast, uh, and she went to her doctor and she said, "I know I've got breast cancer. That's what I saw in the dream. The exam was normal. The mammogram was normal. But they did a biopsy at exactly the site she saw in her dream." And it came back positive. This was the smallest focus of breast cancer the pathologist in this case had ever seen. So you see, this woman acted according to the dream, even without symptoms, even without a lump, without any physical findings, and it may have saved her life. Wow. Wow. Well, I really appreciate you coming to talk with us today, Dr. Dossie, to give our listeners an understanding about the power of premonition and, and how it can really help us to decide what to do in our lives. Well, I hope people pay attention to the book, and I, uh, I, I think it will be helpful in helping people feel more comfortable with premonitions in their lives. Okay. Well, we're, we're done for today, but we're going to be back next week, and next week we're going to be talking about the unnameable grace. So tune in again next week, and until then, remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.